0: We are going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, again this morning. John, chapter 1. Who is Jesus, really? How would you answer that question if someone walked up to you on the street and asked you, Who is Jesus, really? Has anyone ever been asked that question before? Nobody. Maybe we're not talking to the right people. <laughs> who is Jesus? How would you answer that question? Anybody who has been here the last few weeks want to offer up a suggestion? He's the Word of God. He's the word of God. Creator. He's the, the Life-Giver. He's, life life. He's the Light. Vito learned it. Vito's paying attention. Anybody else? You know. These are the things that we've learned about who Jesus is, really. He is the Word of God, the Creator of all things. He's the life giver and the light of all men. Did you know that it's possible that someone could read these first five verses of the Gospel of John that say these things and still be confused about who Jesus really is? I know that it's possible. Because John does something very interesting in the next three verses. He tells us who Jesus is not. Okay. And so out of all of, the, all of the messages in this series, that we ask the question, who is Jesus really? This is the only one where we're going to learn who he is not. Okay, Who Jesus is not today. So let's look at John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. I've got it up there on the screen. You've got your in your Bible there. You can follow along. And here's what John writes. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. We ask the question, who is Jesus really? And this morning, I'd like to answer it, By saying, Jesus is not just a man. Who is Jesus really? Jesus is not just a man. That's what I think John is getting at here in these verses. Right away here in the early part of his gospel, the Apostle John, and this is where it can get confusing, the Apostle John, and then he introduces John, and it's a different John, it's not the same John. So don't get John's confused, because it's John 1 and John 2, or something like that, okay? John the Apostle introduces to us John the Baptist, okay? And right off the bat, he tells us something about John the Baptist. Okay? And this is a very important thing for us to know. John the Baptist was not the light of all men. The light that he was just talking about in verses 4 and 5, Right? A light that shines in the darkness, that, he says, this guy that I'm talking about, John the Baptist, was not the light because John was just a man. And so the first thing we learn here this morning, and I know this is really a shocking, surprising truth to you, John the Baptist was just a man. John the Baptist was just a man. Now, you say, well, that seems kind of obvious. Well, I understand that it seems kind of obvious to you and to me because we're sitting here with, how would you call it? We we have like the Sunday school knowledge, you know? Like we've all kind of, I think most of us here kind of have the basics down pretty well. So we kind of have already heard the stories about John the Baptist and we know who John the Baptist is and who he isn't. And so it's pretty simple for us to go, oh well, yeah, of course, you know, he's it's it's just a man. But in John 1, in these opening verses, there are some important things that John says that makes a distinction here. John is making it very, very, very clear so that we will understand that John the Baptist was just a man. I want to try and explain this without confusing you too much. In verse 1, John starts off by saying, In the beginning was the Word. Right? We talked about that several weeks ago. We said that the word was really conveys the idea of had been. So that what John is saying there when he says in the beginning was the word, he's saying that in the beginning, before there was a beginning, the word already was. That the word of God existed before there even was a beginning. The word was. The word had already been. Jesus Christ existed before anything else began. And that's fine. And then we come to verse 6, and we see that he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And we might get confused by that and think that what he is saying is that uh, the same thing. John... Was just like the word was. Because in our English Bible, it translates that with the same word, just the past tense was. And that's just the deficiency of the English language, if you will. We don't have enough ways to say these things. <laughs> so we have to simplify some of it, I guess. The, the, the point here is, the word that he uses in verse 6 of John is the word came to be. So when he says there was a man sent from God what he's really saying is there came to be a man sent from God Now again you say well boy you really kind of seem like you're you're making a mountain out of a molehill here Jesus in the beginning the word had already been Then we come here there was or there came to be a man sent from God In fact it's the same word that's used in verse Three. Remember we said in verse three, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made or that came to be. And we emphasized that a couple weeks ago that you have the things that came to be and the things that did not come to be. And God did not come to be because God has always existed. But the world came to be. And we said Jesus goes in the Category of things that did not come to be. The not made category, right? Because he wasn't made. He never started to begin. He always has been. That. But that's not what he's saying about John here. He uses a different word. And he uses different words so that we would understand that this is not the same person. <laughs> Under no circumstances should we confuse this John with the word from verse 1. Or the creator from verse 3. Or the life giver from verse 4. Or the light, from verses 4 and 5. Under no circumstances should we confuse them. Because the Word never came to be. The the Word already was in the beginning. But John came to be. That means that John was not eternal. He was not eternal. But the Word was eternal. Before there was a beginning, the Word was. John, however, came to be. Since John came to be, that also tells us something else about John. If he came to be, then that means he was not the creator. Because chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that the word was the creator. And that he made everything that came to be. So if something came to be, it had to be made by the maker. I hope I'm not confusing you. I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. Right? We get that, right? If something came to be, then it meant something else had to make it. Right? And so if John came to be, then he was made. That means he's not the creator. See? He's not eternal. He came to be. He's not the creator. Because he came to be. But another thing, too, you know, he was sent, it says he was, there was a man, or there came to be a man, sent from God. He was a man who was sent by God. He was not able to give life or light. He's not the source, you see. He's not the source of life or the source of light. He's a man who was sent by God. There's a distinction made here. I think what John is trying to do here... In fact, even John the Baptist's name, the name John means graciously given by the Lord. And it points to the fact that John the Baptist was a messenger who was sent by God for a very special purpose. And so we, we see these truths about John the Baptist. He was... Just a man. So all of the things that we have already said about Jesus through the last few weeks here, okay? The Word of God, the Creator, the Life-Giver, the Light, none of those things apply to John, okay? And it's as clear and as thoroughly detailed as John can make it here in as simple terms as possible. We should never confuse John the Baptist with Jesus Christ. I suppose we could make that point about anybody, right? we must be very careful that we don't ever look at another person, another human being and equate that person with God. You say, well, that would never happen. No. All throughout human history, men and women have done that. Have deified another person and worshipped them. Sometimes, even in Christian churches, in Christian uh, ministry circles sometimes people get so elevated that the person becomes more important than the God he supposedly represents. You know, some pastor of a mega church, or some uh, author, writer, or some influential Christian thinker who writes, who writes, or who speaks publicly and has a big following. And sometimes those people can get—they uh, can eclipse Jesus Christ. We must be very careful that we don't ever allow that to happen. John, the writer here, John the Apostle, is making it very clear so there can be no misunderstanding. John the Baptist was just a man. Jesus Christ was not. Jesus Christ is something far greater. And so that's important for us to see. John the Baptist was... Sent by God with a special purpose. And that's what verse 6 is really getting us to see here. He is just a man sent for a purpose. And what was his purpose? Well, look at verse 7 again. He tells us there, This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. This was John's purpose. This was the purpose, the special purpose for which John came to be. For which he was made by God. And for which he was sent. John the Baptist came to be a witness. John the Baptist came to be a witness. That's what his purpose was. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, to be a witness means to speak about something that you have seen. To speak about what you know, right? But it it actually means a little bit more than that. To be a witness is more than just bearing witness. Being a witness is who you are. Bearing a witness is what you do. John came to be a witness. And he came to bear witness. You see, there's more to it than just what he did. There's also who he was. And I think this is important for us to understand. Because there's two aspects of this. For John to be a witness, he had to speak the truth about who Jesus was. If John was going to be a witness, he had to speak the truth. We get that. That's what bearing witness is. So somebody comes into a courtroom And they sit down at the witness stand and they get sworn in and they swear to tell the truth and they are supposed to speak the truth of what they have seen or heard or understand. That's what John had to do. But there's more than that. See, if we're going to call this person, if we're going to say, John came to be a witness, he came for a witness, then that means there's something else. He had to live a certain way. He had to live his life in a way that would show His witness was true. You see, if he was going to speak and offer testimony, his life had to coincide with his testimony. If he's going to be a witness, that involves more than just speaking. It involves doing, being, living. Consistently with the words that he was speaking. I think that's what it means when it says this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. I think John is emphasizing both aspects here. That when John the Baptist was made and when he was sent, yes, he was sent to speak the truth, but he was also sent to live it. Both aspects were to be true in John's life. His entire life revolved around that purpose. His whole life revolved around the purpose for which God sent him. You know, there's an interesting story. Uh, you can keep your finger in John 1 if you want. We're going to come back to But in Luke 1, we read a really interesting story about John the Baptist that explains to us how he became a witness. Okay, And this is just one, one part of it. I think it's really fascinating. In Luke 1 and verse 39, We read this, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. This is just two cousins happening to be pregnant at the same time, visiting one another. Right? This is an everyday common occurrence. Nothing unusual here at all, right? And Mary comes walking in the house and she greets Elizabeth. In verse 41, it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. That's John the Baptist. Elizabeth is his mother. He's in the womb, and he leaps. It says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice. So get this, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she spoke. So this is not just Elizabeth offering her human words of advice or wisdom. This is a message from the Lord. That Elizabeth is speaking. And here's what she says. Blessed are you among women. Who is she talking to? To Mary. And who is in Mary's womb at this moment in time? Jesus. Right? So she says, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, now listen, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. So I'm not stretching things at all. We have it directly from the mouth of the Holy Spirit that when Mary walked in that house and called out to Elizabeth that John the Baptist in the womb rejoiced because he was in the presence of Jesus in the womb. I don't know if he was at 20 weeks gestational age yet or not. You know? Try to argue, try to argue it's not a life. Try to argue it's not a human being. Try to argue it's not a person. Just read the scriptures, okay? It's so clear. That has nothing to do with the message, but it's just a really good point to make, okay? The child in the womb is a human being, it's a life. John was. Even before either of them was born, John met Jesus and knew who he was. So you say, that's John able to be a witness able to testify of what he knows why because even when he was in the womb he met Jesus <laughs> and he knew it and he rejoiced okay. and we know it because the Holy Spirit tells us that the entire purpose of John's life was defined by God before John was ever born even before he was conceived okay you go a little bit earlier in Luke chapter 1 verse 16 And I'm I'm skipping, I'm just, we're not going to read the whole section here. It's a fascinating story, but we're just going to cut right to the chase here. Verse 16, the angel here is speaking to Zacharias, John's father, who is not yet a father. And he says this, of the yet to be conceived, John the Baptist, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What was John's mission? I'll tell you, John's mission was established, his purpose was established before he was even conceived. God said to his father, this is what he's going to do. He is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He is going to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And the angel makes reference to the prophecy in the book of Malachi. John was to prepare the way for Christ's coming into the world. To turn the hearts of the Jewish people back to God so they could receive the light. That's what his whole life was about. His life wasn't about focusing on himself. His life was all about pointing people to the light Jesus Christ. That's what John was doing. That's what his whole life was. He only cared about getting men to turn and look at Jesus. Remember, John says in John 1, the the verses just before this, verses 4 and 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. The light of Christ shines in this dark world in the hearts of men. Men, because they are bound in their sin, are blind. And we don't see it. We hear the truth of the word of God. We hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We learn about who he is. And yet we are blind to the truth because of our sin. And how will a blind man know about the light? Unless someone tells him. And that's what John is doing. That's what John came for. That was the purpose. That was the mission that he came to do. John is a man who could see. He knew that Jesus was the true light. And he spent his entire life trying to convince men to see the light. To know Jesus Christ. So the, the Apostle John tells us here, that's why John the Baptist came into the world. To answer the question, who is Jesus really? John's whole life was about that one question. Who is Jesus? John wanted to point people to Jesus. He's the light. You should look at him. Look at him. He's the light. He's the truth. He's the life. I don't want to get into any of the other ones. I'll, jump, I'll be jumping all over the sermons I've got yet to come. I don't want to give you those away yet. So. You know, it's important to understand John didn't try to impress men, and he didn't try to please them. He wasn't worried about having a nice house, he wasn't worried about having a nice car, he wasn't worried about having nice clothes. He was only interested in one thing, getting men to turn and look at Jesus Christ, the light. And so John reemphasizes this in verse 8. That's why he says, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. His role as a witness was very important. In fact, uh, D.A. Carson says this, and I thought this was was an excellent statement. He says, All who have ever come to faith are indirectly dependent on John's opening proclamation of the identity and saving purpose of Jesus Christ. We owe our faith to John because John was a faithful witness. John came for the purpose of bearing witness to Jesus Christ. John not only came for that purpose, but John pointed toward Jesus Christ. That's what John did. He oriented his life in such a way that he pointed away from himself. John was never interested in receiving credit. He was never interested in receiving attention. Everything that John did was intended to direct people to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. His whole life. In fact, when we think about the rest of what the New Testament has to say about John, we realize that John's life wasn't very long. In fact, he was probably even younger than Jesus was when he died. John was killed because he spoke the truth. John was, lived really a relatively short life. And I was thinking about that this week, about the shortness of his life. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that it's not how long we live that matters. It's how we live. And, and maybe more importantly, it's for whom we live. What purpose we live our life. The other day, I did some research. I did some research on the life of the average honeybee. Don't freak out, just picture it. A honeybee is an interesting creature. The worker bee is one of between 60,000 and 80,000 bees in the hive during the warm summer months. Worker bee will only live about four to six weeks during the summertime. Pretty short lifespan one of the shortest of all of the animals in the animal kingdom. But in that four to six week time span, that worker bee will accomplish quite a bit. Let me just give you a rundown of what that bee will do during its lifetime. After it's hatched, the worker bee will spend several days cleaning out its own cell and the other nearby cells inside the hive, making room for honey and for other new bees. After that, When she's finished with that, she nurses the bee babies and helps take care of the queen bee. Then she collects nectar from the foraging bees that return to the hive. That takes several days. After that time, then she spends several more days fanning the hive with her wings to keep it cool. Then, after she's done with that for a few days, she works producing wax to build new cells within the hive. And she works to guard the hive from intruders, possibly even giving up her life by stinging a threat, or a perceived threat, in the case of Greg on his mower or something. Okay? In the last days of her life, after she's finished all of those other tasks, she leaves the hive and goes to search for nectar, traveling up to two to three miles from the hive, collecting nectar from several thousand flowers in order to produce one pint of honey. You realize in that brief lifespan of four to six weeks, that bee packs a whole lot of different responsibilities and different things into her life. You see, it's not the length of the life of the bee that matters. It's the purpose for which she lives her life. She lives with that singular focus of protecting, of strengthening, of building, of helping, feed. The That's what that worker bee's whole life is about. And I think the same thing was true of John the Baptist. He didn't live long enough to enjoy the American dream. He didn't have a nice home. The Bible tells us he lived in the desert. He didn't have nice clothes. Scripture says that he wore camel's hair robe. He didn't eat fine meals, unless you consider locusts and wild honey to be a fine uh, gourmet feast. John's life isn't measured by any of those things, though. What is John's life measured by? How do we measure the life of John the Baptist and evaluate it? Well, we measure his life by his purpose. We measure John's life by his purpose. And John fulfilled his purpose. The purpose of bearing witness of the light who is Jesus Christ. John... Fulfill this purpose by proclaiming the truth about Jesus to all men. Pointing men and women to the Savior so they could be forgiven of their sins and receive the gift of eternal life. Now at the beginning of my message I said that we find another answer to our question, who is Jesus really? And that the answer is Jesus is not just a man. And I do that by way of contrast. We see who John is. Very clearly, we understand that John is not Jesus. John is just a man, right? Jesus is the eternal Word of God who was with God in the beginning, who was God. He's the Creator who made all things that came to be, but John was just a man. And there are two very important uh, principles that we should take from that. If John was just a man, And that means that John was just like you and I. He had to come to Jesus the same way we do, by repenting of his sin and believing that Jesus is Lord. I think that's why we see what we see in Scripture in Matthew chapter 3 when when Jesus comes to John to be baptized. and John initially refuses, and he says that he shouldn't be baptizing Christ, that Christ should be baptizing him. What John is saying is that Jesus didn't need to repent, but John did. You see, John is exercising and demonstrating repentance. He's acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why in John chapter 3 and verse 30, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's what John the Baptist said about Jesus. Hey, it's not about me, he said. It's Jesus, this one. He's the light. He's the pure and perfect light. He understood that Jesus was the true God who came down from heaven. John was just a man. John was a man who needed to turn to Christ in faith to be forgiven and made whole. And that's the same thing that we need. And so, I know I ask this a lot. I ask this every Sunday, it seems like. But you have to evaluate yourself. What about you? Have you ever met Jesus Christ like John did? Have you seen that Jesus Christ is the pure and perfect light, the eternal God? In seeing that, do you realize that you are a sinner? desperately in need of forgiveness? Have you bowed before Him? Have you humbled yourself and cried out for mercy? That's what you must do. Because like John, you and I are just men. We have to come to Jesus the same way that John came to Jesus. By repentance and faith. There's another lesson though. Another lesson. If if John is just a man, and he's not like Jesus... We realize that we have been given a mission or a commission just like John. You see, if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, then we have been sent just like John to bear witness of the light who is Jesus Christ. That is the mission, the purpose for which we have been made. God has chosen us to be His witnesses. He sent us, like he sent John. You say, oh, but I'm not John the Baptist. He was somebody special. No. Jesus even said, as great of a man as John was, he says, the man who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Don't think that John was something special. John was just a man. John was sent with a purpose. Of being a witness. A witness of what? A witness of what he had seen, of what he had experienced, of what he knew to be true. In the same way, you and I have been sent to bear witness. To simply speak of what we have first seen and heard. To simply share what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. That's why the first thing is so important. We have to come to Him. We have to repent of our sin and trust Christ because we can't tell somebody else, we can't give somebody else a message that we ourselves have not first received. The witness is not credible. But John was a credible witness because he had experienced the truth of who Jesus was. And he built his entire life. He focused his entire life around that purpose. The purpose of bearing witness. And we ought to do the same. We shouldn't sit here and long for the past. We shouldn't grieve over the past. It's gone. It's done. We can't change yesterday. We should rejoice that the light has come to us. We should rejoice that our eyes have been opened to the truth. Amen. And that God Jesus Christ has sent us as His ambassadors. It's our job to fulfill the purpose for which we've been sent. It's our Lord's job to arrange the circumstances in which we work. We need to speak and live for Him. We need to trust His wise and loving heart. As we stand to speak of the things that we have seen. Things that we know. Concerning Jesus Christ. Let's close with prayer.